My name is Adam Levine. Yo, this your man, Kirk Franklin. Hello, everyone. I'm Erica Campbell. From London, England and Washington, D.C., you are tuned in to Conversations with Allison J. The Journey to Hear, brought to you by Ethel May Books. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Allison J. The Journey to Hear. I'm your host, Allison J. Today, we'll be speaking with Derricka Wilson. Derricka is the co-founder and CEO of the Black and Missing Foundation, Inc. She brings more than two decades of expertise in law enforcement and public safety, including serving as the first black female officer with the City of Falls Church Police Department. Recognized for her achievements in helping and bringing hope to those in need, Derricka has been featured on The View, Essence, People, The Daily Show, In Style, Good Morning America and CNN, to name a few, for her outstanding public service work. In 2017, she was awarded BET's Black Girls Rock Community Change Agent Award. Most recently, Derricka appeared in the HBO four-part Black and Missing documentary series, spotlighting the foundation's commitment to locating missing persons of color. Although Derricka has been recognized globally for her community activism, she remains extremely humble Humble knowing the hardest part about what she does happens behind the scenes. Derricka graduated from the Northern Virginia Criminal Justice Training Academy. She is also a member of the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. The Black and Missing Foundation provides resources, tools and advice to families with a missing loved one and offers preventative measures for parents to keep their children safe. Derricka, Thank you so much for joining us here on Conversations with Alison J, The Journey to Here. Welcome. And um, as I know, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. I know I can appreciate and know how busy your schedule is with all the work that you do and trying to fit me in. And again, with your calendars throwing you off, I can imagine how it's made your day crazy and I don't want to add to it. <laughs> No, you're, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. Thank you. So, thank you. So, Derricka, this is a bit of a strange one, a hard one, and it's so bizarre in the sense of we know about the disparities between how Black people are treated in so many different areas, at work, and in law, because of how Black people are treated when approached by police force and so on. But the fact that it goes as far as, I'm really struggling with my words here because when I was really looking into this, it was just like, are we never given a fair break or the same consideration in any area of life? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, very clear that in the view of others, our lives don't matter. Um, when Natalie and I started the organization nearly 14 years ago, um, we started the organization because we saw an issue that was impacting our community. Missing persons is a pandemic. And so the inspiration behind the Black and Missing Foundation 
um, was a young lady by the name of Tamika Houston. She went missing from my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina in 2004. And despite the fact that her aunt Rebecca worked in media relations, she still struggled to garner mainstream media. And about a year later, Natalie Holloway went missing and me saying Natalie's name alone, you know, everyone can recognize her name. Her name became a household name. So that case really bothered me. And the fact that this young lady went missing from my hometown, because when I look at Tamika Houston, I see my sister, I see my nieces, I see a family member. Mm-hmm. And if it was my family, I would want someone to help find him or her. And so that really was the inspiration behind it because Nally and I, we decided to figure out if this really was an issue impacting our community. And we discovered in 2008, when we launched the Black and Missing Foundation, that 30% of missing persons in the United States were persons of color. And that number has since increased to 40%. And so we hit the ground running. And when we started going into our community, our community didn't realize that this was an issue because when they turned their televisions on, they didn't see anyone that looked like them. Right. Because you don't know what you don't know, do you? Because if you don't exactly because if you don't see it, if it's not presenting to you, how would you know it's an issue unless you specifically know somebody that is missing and realize, hold on, I'm not seeing this anywhere. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, even with law enforcement. You know, there's so often uh, when law enforcement chooses not to take our cases seriously um, or label our children as runaways. Runaways are not receiving the Amber Alert. Uh, Quite frankly, there's no sense of urgency in finding them. So think about this, Allison. If you had two flyers in front of you, Mm -hmm. one says missing and the other says runaway, Mm. the messaging is not created equal. Right. Society is less likely to share that flyer that says runaway because the perception is whatever happened to him or her, they brought it on themselves because they ran away. Right. Troubled team. Exactly. So we want to eliminate the classification runaway altogether. They're children Mm. and they're missing. So let me even put this a different way. And it's interesting that when you see the term runaway, people think troubled teen, troubled teenager, they're just, they're acting out. But when we hear about all of these cases of abuse and children being harmed in the home, runaway could literally be they're running away from danger anyway. So I still, and I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but I'm saying even the term runaway should be looked into because there still could be something deeper that this child is running away from, not just automatically assume that the child has brought this on themselves because they're at fault. We've seen it time and time again about how many people are abused by a family member, be it sexual, physical, verbal or whatever. And maybe their only recourse is to run away. So that's still a, a child in danger. You're, you're absolutely right. And we always say, as a society, if they are running away, who are they running to and what are they running from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I will also take it a step further. 
we've had a lot of children go missing during this pandemic. You would think that the numbers would have decreased because people were in lockdown. Absolutely not. The numbers increased. So when you brought up, you know, the ones that can be abused at home, think about, just think about it. All those children that were learning online virtually and school was their escape, right? Now they're locked in the home with their abusers. They're vulnerable. They're online. Predators are luring these children because these children are looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. So we actually had an increase in cases that we have seen through the organization of individuals going missing. That is so, that's a bit mind blowing because I know that we've heard more of abuse, like domestic violence happening and increasing during the pandemic. But I don't think we stopped to put that down to children. And Absolutely. We, we, Absolutely. Did, we did pay a lot of attention to the mental health of children during the pandemic. We did pay a lot of attention to domestic abuse, domestic vice, violence between um, spousal abuse, but not that much attention or was highlighted to how children are also being impacted and suffering at this time. So you saying that the numbers increased with missing children during this time, that's actually quite astonishing. And the fact that we are over two years, we are into our third year of this pandemic. And I'm only hearing about this now because I'm speaking with you. That in itself Mm -hmm. is shocking. It's really, really quite shocking. But also keep in mind, there is a correlation between mental health and missing persons. There's a correlation between domestic violence and missing persons. There's a correlation between human trafficking and missing persons. So all of those elements, you know, throughout the pandemic, and and also remember, even with human trafficking and these children that are lured online, that is preventable, right? It's preventable because we have to educate our children. We have to make them aware of the dangers that exist. And mm-hmm. so these children, they are vulnerable. You know, yeah. they are hurting. They're looking to try to help out, you know, the family. You don't under, you know, sometimes we don't understand what the family dynamics are. You know, parents could have been laid off from jobs, you know, and they want to try to find an ends, you know, to the ends meet for the family. And, and think about how sophisticated a lot of our predators are, you know, with these advertisements for modeling, uh, these advertisements for um, different online activities for these kids to do. Modeling is very big, okay? Mm-hmm. What about, you know, the arts, right? Like Being music. a singer or actor, yeah. Yes, yes. And so these kids, again, they're children. They haven't fully developed mentally mm. and they're given into these false promises because when you're a child you know everything right adults don't know anything we were never young at any stage and it's interesting that you should say that because obviously the maturity comes into it but not just the maturity like you said it is preventable because if we look at society nowadays when I look at 
the comparison between what we were able to get away with, not a lot, and what children now have access to and get away with. And we, the, the world was our oyster then, and it's still a child's oyster now. But how much of this do you think can, re, can parents really prevent? Because a lot of people say, well, if a child's going to do something, they're going to do something. But when they're under a certain age, a child doesn't buy themselves a mobile phone. A child doesn't pay for the internet to have the Wi-Fi access. So if you were to say something to the parents, what would you actually say to them to say, look, together we can stop this, but you need to do your part? My message to the parents is to stop being your child's friend and be their parent, okay? Be that nosy parent because it is life-saving, okay? Mm. It's either you teach your children or the streets or that predator is going to teach your children. You know, one question that I always like to ask parents, how can a stranger enter your home without coming through any of your doors or windows. Can you answer that, Allison? How can a stranger enter a home? Online. Absolutely, online. Every application, every device, everything that has a chat feature. And just being very mindful of that, you know, that these individuals, they can prey on your children through those chat features. Mm. And they like to pretend to be someone that they are not. These children are so trusting. They're giving so much information. Yeah. Even, even adults are guilty as well. You know, a lot of cases that we receive with our organization, um, when the cases come in, I always like to do a quick query search, you know, so that's the police officer in me. I like to do my own little investigations in the background, mm -hmm. but being able to see whether it's a child or an adult, always checking in everywhere, putting so much information out there online makes you vulnerable. Mm. Okay? Yeah. You know, you, you're vulnerable because you're putting this information out there in the World Wide Web. And once it's out there, you can't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. so you have to be, even though you, you have to be really mindful. Yeah. Yeah, because sorry, I was saying, sorry to interrupt you. Even if you press pressing delete, people think, oh, I deleted it. It's like, uh, no, it's still out there. It's still left a footprint that can be gotten. Yes. It's great. Yes. And, and then the other advice that I would like to offer to any parent that's out there listening, parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, um, create a fictitious account and try to befriend your child. Try to befriend your grandchild um, just to see how much information they're putting out there. Mm. You know, be your own CSI you know, to get that information. So it could be a teachable moment, okay? Because we have to teach our children. We have to be able to protect them. We mm. have to make them aware of the dangers. And we have to show them what it looks like. You know, what's interesting, Allison, um, there was 
research that was conducted by the Urban Institute. And they interviewed traffickers. And it was eye-opening because the traffickers said two things that really stood out, that they like to target our Black girls and women because they know that law enforcement will not look for us. That was number one. And then they followed up by saying, but if they were to get caught, they would get less time than if they targeted a white woman or child. Wow, because they also recognize how much our lives don't matter to those in authority. My goodness. (laughs) And that is why we, that is why we have to protect our babies. That's why we have to protect our community. That's why Natalie and I refuse to give up. Mm. Because if not us, who? Who, of course. And you saying that, that's um, a good point that you've just made by saying, if not us, who? Because the truth is, we tend to not recognize or realize or appreciate that this thing is happening all around us. And the reason that I say that is I spoke to a young lady. She herself was a victim of familial trafficking. And she now helps um, others escape that life. And one of the things that she was saying to me is how much people just are not paying attention because we see movies like Taken. And no disrespect to the movie industry because it serves a purpose and it does highlight certain things. But you see a movie like Taken and you think it's this thing where some stranger kidnaps you off the street because you've gone to a foreign country by yourself. Or it's something that's happening in these so-called third world countries. But people don't realize, no, actually, it's happening right here in your neighborhood, right here in these so-called first world countries and it's time for us to stop thinking that oh I'm not going to get involved because it's happening over there it's happening in your own backyard and human trafficking is a multi-billion dollar industry that's happening right here on U.S. soil it is an organized enterprise wow that's (laughs) To hear those words that trafficking is an organized enterprise. It is. That that is beyond belief. Yes. My goodness. Just, just, you saying that just for a moment, we're not talking about (laughs) a Fortune 500 company. We're talking about something so disgustingly illegal. Yes. But yes, yes. termed as an organized enterprise. It is an organized enterprise. And what's so sad about trafficking, a lot of victims don't even realize they're victims. Mm. And, and those that realize that they are victims, they are too afraid to even cooperate with law enforcement to see those successful prosecutions play out because they've been threatened, Mm. you know, their families have been threatened. So, you know, if you say something, 
this is going to happen to your, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, you know, and this is how they're able to maintain that control. Right, right. And when you say that, when you think about some of these big cases that have come to light, for example, Jeffrey Epstein and all the people that he knew. And there was one I was watching very recently, I believe. It was up in um, the Tampa, Orlando area where it mentioned Disney employees and a judge. And there were, if my memory serves me right, it was about 124 arrests they made. This is all very recently. And when I look at it, and so like to your point, if there are people like Jeffrey Epstein, look at all of the powerful people that he was connected to. Absolutely. Look at this, the other one that just very recently in Tampa, a judge. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. judge. Remember what I said, it is an organized enterprise. Mm. And I was watching... Um, what's that show with Ice T? CSI? Uh-huh. I think and, it's CSI. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of those like special victims units, that one of those mm-hmm. off to it. And um, no, no, it's not. It's Law and Order. That's the one with Ice That's T. What, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Law and Order Special Victims Unit. That's it. And I remember there was one episode that I was watching. And it was the same thing. A young lady, she was found and then they traced it back. And then it turned out that there's this special unit that helps with trafficking. The, one of the police officers on the inside was the, one of the people that was trafficking these young ladies. So when you're saying it's an organized, it's one of those things where it's so scary because Really, you do have to question who can you trust? Because mm-hmm. if you've got police officers, judges, powerful actors, actresses, politicians, and the like that are getting caught, and you just think, well, if they're the ones getting caught, who are the ones really behind this? Because I find it hard to believe that some regular Joe from around the corner is the person in charge of this huge enterprise that can suck in a judge that can suck in a politician. Does that make any sense? No, it it makes total sense. It makes total sense. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's more resources that are now being dedicated to address these issues, Uh, more and more task force that are, you know, coming about. Like as of right now, there are like 42 states that has um, human trafficking task force. And, and, And that's, that's a lot. I mean, we need even more, but to, to say that, you know, 42 states have a human trafficking task force is awesome because this is an issue. And, and out of the, the 42, 34 have already incorporated legislation. So we, re- we realize and recognize that this is an issue that's happening. Um, and I think also even from, you know, parents, you know, I think parents need to understand that every single day, according to the FBI, every single day, there are 500,000 predators online. Hold on, wait, sorry. (laughs) Oh, sorry. 
every single day, as in every 24 hours. Every 24 hours, there are 500,000 500, predators active online. online every single day. My goodness. So with that being the case, how it, it just makes me wonder, how will they, will they ever be able to even catch them all? It's difficult sometimes. It really is because, again, technology, the sophistication, mm-hmm. you know, creating, you know, fictitious accounts and, and, and a lot of them utilizing accounts that's really not traceable. Um, but, yes, it makes it very difficult. And then, again, when we're talking about the cooperation of the victims. So, you know, you have, again, there's layers to this, Right. So you have like the recruiters and even with some of the, the children, their peers are the recruiters and they target those peers as recruiters because if they get caught, they view it as less jail time because they're minors. All of this is at you. Look, your face right now, you are so, you're in total disbelief, total shock, but this is what's happening right here right here in our own backyard. This is what we need to know though, Derricka. This is what we need to know. We need to know that it's not just the big scary man. It's be care, you know, the stranger danger, this man looks a little bit strange. We need to know that, yes, it could be that well-polished woman with the twin set and yes. it, it like and but you hearing you say it could be some of their peers, it's children recruiting children to be trafficked. It's like, how does a child even get caught up in that? Absolutely, money. Money is also the root to all evil, money. And people are desperate. And people are looking for opportunities. Remember when I said the recruitment, whether it's modeling, it's in the music industry, all of these false promises. I mean, they're taking them by fraud, deception, coercion they're playing on the vulnerability yes and you saying that so sorry I interrupted you because I was in shock so you were saying that the levels to this so there are the recruiters and so we need to make sure that we are aware that these recruiters come in all shapes forms sizes absolutely absolutely and 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 it's this whole grooming process right you know Mm. we have to pay attention as parents so your child comes home and you start noticing those behavior changes, right? Mm-hmm. You notice this materialistic uh, items that they're bringing into your home that you know you didn't purchase, you know, whether it's a cell phone or a very expensive purse. You notice tattoos, branding, you mm-hmm. know, how they're marking their, their targets, right? So we have to be, as parents, we have to be mindful that this is happening. We have to also communicate with our children. We have to listen. Mm -hmm. This is not one of those one-time discussions. You have it and it's it. No, you have to teach them. You have to show them. You have to listen to them because Mm -hmm. these are scary times. And we are seeing, again, we are seeing our children. We are seeing our young ladies. We're seeing our men and boys. They are disappearing. Men and boys are not exempt. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when we started the organization back in 2008, remember when I told you that 30% of missing persons in the United States were persons of color? Mm-hmm. There were more Black men missing than there were Black women in no, 2008. No, no, come on, no, come on, no, 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 no. So again, how am I just hearing about this now? And I don't mean just like me personally. How is this not big news that there were more Black men disappearing than women in 2008. Well, and that's not what... the year, just, how, just, just the fact that it was even something that was happening and going on. How did well, we... See, I, but again, you're not going to know because at that time, back in 2008, when you turned your television on, did you see anyone that looked like you? Our community didn't know what they didn't know. Oh my gosh. So we wanted to be that champion of change. We wanted to do the research because here's the thing. In order to correct a problem in your community, you must be willing to be the solution. Mm-hmm. So if there is a problem, you want to be the solution, fix it. Bring it to the forefront and now fix it. And so our community didn't know what they didn't know. I mean, the, the, the look on your face, the state of shock, that's what we saw in our community when we were knocking on the doors, passing out flyers, bringing awareness to our missing because they simply didn't see themselves. Right. Law enforcement wasn't taking the cases seriously, you know? And we understand, and here's the other thing that I failed to share with you earlier on when I gave you the statistics, because I said now it's 40% that are missing, right? Well, we know the numbers are actually higher than 40%. The FBI, according to their statistics, the Hispanic community are classified in the white community. So there is no race breakdown with the FBI statistics for Hispanic, although. 25% of them identify as Afro-Latino. So we know the numbers are higher and that doesn't factor in our homeless population that no one is even thinking about Mm -hmm. that may not have even elevated up to a police report. Wow, this is, it's quite heartbreaking to know that how little our lives are valued and we I think we always knew this and subconsciously we're always aware of it but that's just it we have we've I think nowadays we've got the luxury of it being a subconscious thing when and like you were saying like um be a part of the solution bring the solution and I think too many times we are relying on others to fix our community and, and as a result of relying on others to fix our community, we think that gives us a pass to not do anything while we're waiting for them. Like, so for example, they were saying, oh, um, I don't know if they had them here in the US, but in the UK, when we were growing up, they used to have like local community centers where the yes. youth could go and hang out and play sports and games and things like that. And as time went on and funds were cut, that's one of the things that went. And so I constantly hear like, oh, the government needs to do this and the government needs to do that. I was thinking, why are we continually waiting for the government to fix 
problems and issues we know are existing in our community. Mm-hmm. And, that's, uh-huh. and that's what we challenge our community to do. Again, you see something that's wrong in your community, be willing to be the change. You know, mm-hmm. Natalie and I, we didn't wait until we received grant funding. We didn't wait till we received all these donations to start the Black and Missy Foundation. We started the Black and Missing Foundation because we saw a need in our community. We are both mothers, we're wives, we work full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. And we do this full-time as well. And have been doing it for going on 14 years. And we're not gonna stop because our community needs us. You know, our community deserves for their loved ones to become household names as well. Mm-hmm. Our communities deserve for law enforcement to take our cases seriously. And how do we do that? Now, how do we accomplish all of this, right? Partnerships is so vital, right? Mm-hmm. So for number one, the gatekeepers, law enforcement, to view us as allies. You know, we're not trying to step on their toes. We want to partner with them, but we want them to do their job as well. Right. So, you know, with my background in law enforcement, being able to talk the talk and walk the walk makes that transaction and bridging that gap easier for families. Mm-hmm. And then with Natalie's background in public relations, being that published for those families, advocating for their opportunity to have their stories told. And it also is vital because once we're able to have these family stories told, it applies pressure on law enforcement to dedicate more resources Mm. to try to get these cases solved. So, and then our community, they're not exempt, okay? We need our community, see something, say something. We need our community to be that digital milk carton. So when we're putting these flyers out there, we don't want you to just like them, share the flyers because someone out there knows something and Mm -hmm. we can't always wait on the five and 10 o'clock news cycle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 100%. So it's all of our responsibilities. mm -hmm. And I think part of it as well, when we think about culturally, it's like those snitches get stitches, don't... And my, so my background is my family is originally from Jamaica. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things where hmm, you, you, you don't talk your business. You, you, you don't go and tell people things. And so, and, and you don't, it's almost like this code of silence that we've worn as a badge of honor for so many years, not actually realizing this is actually destructive. It is, it is. But that was one thing we kept in mind when we started building out our organization and our website. We have an anonymous tip line. Mm, you know, great. someone can actually call the anonymous tip line or they can submit tips online without compromising their identity because we understand and realize that there is a lack of trust when it comes to the minority community and law enforcement. We also find that our community is more likely to share information with us because number one, we're relatable. We look like our community. Yeah. And quite frankly, I don't care who you are. I just want the information that you have that can end this nightmare for this family that's dealing with the unknown of not knowing where their loved one is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because here's the bottom line. Missing persons is not a black issue. 
it's not a white issue. It's an American issue. It is a human issue. Yeah. And we all have to show humility and we all have a responsibility because these are valuable members of our community. Again, their mothers, their fathers, their sisters, brothers, mm -hmm. um, and their lives matter. Yeah, absolutely. They absolutely do. My, I've learned so much. <laughs> I'm <laughs> shocked by some, but learned so much. And the part about it is, Derica, it's some of it is not even so much that you've taught me. Some of it is also just common sense things, though, isn't it? Just common sense things. Like when you said in the beginning, be your child's parent. Too many times you want to see people being their child's friend. Like you see mother and daughter or mother and son in the club. Uh, no. <laughs> Hello? No, no. I couldn't imagine yes. myself in the club with my mom. I couldn't. <laughs> neither can I, and, I get, look we can go out to dinner but we're not going to the club together <laughs> right and so and so you see the thing is and I'm not and for those that have been to the club with their children I, it's not that I'm coming down on you but it's also a case of as long as you're also doing that parenting and not just it's because we're in the club because we're friends then that's all well and good but too many times you've heard you've heard things about because there's no man in the home. So the woman kind of treats the son like the surrogate proxy man of the house. He's still your child. He's still your son. And now yeah. that we're hearing of how many black boys and men are going missing, don't try to force our children to grow up too quickly. Yeah. yeah. And that allow them to be children. And again, have those uncomfortable conversations huh. with them and listen to them. Children have a lot to say. And we as parents, sometimes we want to over talk or we want to shut them down. No, we have to listen. We have to listen because if we're not willing to listen, someone else is going to listen and that someone else is going to have other intentions. Okay. And they're going to tell that child exactly what he or she wants to hear. Mm and there lies the danger. And I was reading an article, I think last week, about a brother and sister that unfortunately ended up murdering their mother because they were being abused, sexually and physically abused by somebody that they were inviting into the home. They told the mother and the stepfather and neither one believed them. So the plan was, wow. Yeah, the plan was they were going, they were supposed to kill the mother and then the stepfather, but they didn't have the nerve to go through with it after killing the mother. They, from what I've been made to understand, they've both been released from prison. They were charged as adults. They've both been released from prison and now leading full and active lives. But I use that example to say that be careful who you are also bringing around your children. There can't be all these uncles and aunties and all of these people, or let me do the air quotes, uncles and aunties around your children that you don't even know who they are. Because look at this, this woman lost her life because the children felt like she was believing her man or, or the, and the predator over them. Yeah. These you are definitely your have to. They didn't yeah. ask me here, they're your responsibility. 
Yes, you definitely have to be careful. And we've seen so many children, especially over the, I would say the last two years that have lost their lives because of individuals invited into the home. Okay. That's been very heartbreaking to say the least. You know, we've seen that. And then we also want to say to these women out there, especially single women, you know, going on these dating apps, we've seen an uptick in women going missing and murdered for meeting strangers online. So just being aware that everyone is not telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be so trusting. Don't be so quick to give up information and always check in and and as much as possible, traveling groups, you know, Mm -hmm. when, you know, if you're going on a date, let someone know where you're going, you know, don't be so quick to allow, especially at, you know, first two or three dates for that person to come to your home, meet them at a restaurant, meet them somewhere um, versus inviting them to, to your home. Because I don't want us to have to keep dealing with these type of cases because our community is unaware of these dangers that exist. And I mean this in the best possible way, but it would be so great if an organization like yours didn't exist. <laughs> And you know what? One of the things that we're saying, Allison, at some point, we hope the Black and Missy Foundation dies a natural death. Mm. We hope it dies a natural death where all cases are handled the same. Yeah. Regardless of race, gender. But until then, mm. we're going to keep fighting for our community. Um, and, and we are definitely the fire starters and you know, the champion of change and and wanting everyone to join us on this movement to help us find us. Mm. Um, Because again, if not us, who? So we have to be willing to lay down that foundation. We have to be willing to embody change, you know, with our local, state, and federal leaders. Um, We have to bring about change with our media partners as well. The diversity is key. Um, And so one of the things that with our organization, we have um, opportunities for students. Um, On Sunday, we're releasing our law enforcement scholarship um, because we want to see more of us in law enforcement and even in that high ranking capacity, you know, so all cases are handled, you know, fairly. We want to see more diversity in the newsroom, you know, because more diversity in the newsroom equals more diversity in what the general public sees. Yeah, and more diversity in the reporting, absolutely. And that is so what we need. And so, Derica, you had mentioned about an anonymous tip line or helpline. What other resources are there? What other ways are there that if somebody suspects somebody is missing or if somebody has information about somebody that's missing, what are the resources available how that people can report these things? So if you, first of all, we challenge everyone to visit our website, mm-hmm. bamfi.org. From our website, you're able to access all of our social media platforms. You're able to do a search in your community to see who's missing from your community. If you click on that profile, 
you can actually submit an anonymous tip directly from that profile. If you have information, you want to report someone missing, we have that on our website as well. You can also call our 877 number, which is 1-877-972-2634. Again, we just want the information that you have that could end the nightmare for these families because there's nothing worse than the unknown not knowing if your loved one is hungry, if they're sick, if they're cold, if they're being mistreated, if they're going to walk through the front door again. So again, this is all of our responsibility. And, you know, for our community, again, be our digital milk carton, be that champion of change. You know, don't just like these profiles, share them, you know, use your voice during election season, you know, getting out to vote for those local leaders in your respective jurisdictions, that's going to be the change that your community need in order to see how these cases are handled or the reporting structure. You know, like why why do some families need to wait 24 hours before they're able to report their loved one missing when we all know the first 24 to 48 hours are the most critical moments. So being that champion of change, utilizing your voice and understanding the power of your voice and bringing people in that is going to put forth the agenda that your community needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just that diversity all together, you know, it is law enforcement, the media and the community. We're stronger together and it takes all of us. Thank you so much. And you mentioned Sunday, you're launching. Our Phyllis, Corporal Phyllis Y. Henderson, um, Memorial Scholarship. Uh, Phyllis Henderson was one of my best friends. She passed suddenly in August of 2018. And uh, she was a law enforcement official and an avid volunteer for the Black and Missing Foundation. And so when she passed away, she actually left um, funds in her will for the organization. And we decided to reinvest that into our community to offer scholarships for those uh, college bound or those seniors, college bound seniors, as well as undergraduates pursuing careers in law enforcement. We also have a fellowship for communication majors and minors as well. Um, And if anyone go to our website, BAMFI.org, all that information is there. We want to continue to invest in our community and our children so we can have the diversity on the police forces. We can have the diversity with our media to get these stories told. Thank you so much for that. And you've mentioned how people can find you, where people can find you. And is there anything that people can do to help the Black and Missing Foundation um, by way of volunteering? Would that information also be found on your website? Yes, if you visit our website, again, BAMFI.org, there's a link that says join our community. You know, sign up for our newsletter so you can see what's happening in the area when we need volunteers, when we're hiring. We also have a 5K coming up on May 21st at the National Harbor in Maryland. Um, This is our uh, annual fund uh, fundraiser for families. It's called Hope Without Boundaries. And so it's a day of celebration for um, families that we are serving, families that we have served, um, for everyone to come together. It's a day of hope. 
And that's what we want these families to never give up on hope that, you know, we're going to always be here and we're not going to allow them to give up. So it's a way for everyone to come out, you know, fellowship together, get some exercise and celebrate those successes of those that have been found, rally around and embrace those that are still searching to let them know that they're not in this fight alone. But again, that is May 21st at the National Harbor and that information is online and registration is open. So get your early bird registration, go to our website and it'll take you right to our registration page. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that information. And not just that information. Thank you for sharing about the Black and Missing Foundation, your work, what you do, how we can help, how we can get involved, and just to impart in knowledge. Thank you, Thank you. so much. I truly appreciate you taking the time to spend with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for using your platform to help us tell our story. You are more than welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us. We're already looking forward to the next episode of This is Conversations with Allison J. The journey to here. Until next time, honor, respect, and blessings to you all. If you want to connect, visit allisonj.net. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-J-A-Y-E.net. Allison with one L, as she is the one and only.